0: Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Beyond the Tools podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs. And if you're in a position in your trades company right now where you know you need some help in the office, you wanna hand it off, but you're not sure who you should hire or how you should go about that. Maybe you're thinking about outsourcing. Maybe you're wondering if it's really something that warrants a full-time position. Today's interview is with Charlie Felker, the co-founder of Free to Grow. Charlie had a five-year career in the Army, moved on to do his MBA, and then opened his own home service company. And once he sold that company, he realized that there were things that he would do differently. In this chat, Charlie and I dig into his story, and we talk a little bit about the common challenges and mistakes that contractors make when it comes to office management. Charlie believes that most home service companies at a certain size don't actually need a full-time office manager. And in this chat, we really dig into what the options are there and how to think about that decision. So let's head on over and chat with Charlie. Charlie, thanks so much for being on Beyond (laughs) the Tools.
1: Crystal, I love being here. Thank you.
0: So I am very curious to hear. I love hearing the backstory. So how did you get involved in this industry?
1: Uh, Great question. Uh, And it's kind of a good entrepreneurial tale, if you will. Um, I started a home service company, technically, in our business. This is going back to 2014, 2015. Our business was primarily supporting seniors that wanted to live in their home. And so we did that through a combination of equipment. You probably see the ads for stair lifts that go up and down people's stairs. And we would go into people's homes and widen their door so their wheelchair can get from door to door. Or we'd modify their bathroom, you know, et cetera. Um, built a nice, successful business, had a location in my hometown of St. Louis. And then I bought a business that was very similar in Western New York, um, doing both those kind of you know functions, keeping seniors that want to live in their home, which is a trend, especially post-COVID making sure they're able to do that through construction and equipment. So um, ran this business, grew it for five years, and then was approached by a big strategic buyer, a um, company that makes wheelchairs. They wanted to buy both locations, so I ended up selling that in 2019. And like any owner-operator, when it's time to sell your business, you know, you're, you're, you're drinking a beer and kind of celebrating, um, hopefully. You're like, man, what, what could I have done better than I did um, to not only make the business better, but to maximize my value and you know at exit. And a role a, a core role that was that I had frustrations with was office management. Okay, so answering the phone, scheduling our salespeople to go out and evaluate somebody's home, um, returning phone calls. You know, when a call comes in, we had a we had a good CRM called Builder Trend which we used probably about 10% of its capacity, but making sure when, when the call came in or email lead or any sort of customer correspondence, getting that transferred into our CRM was just really difficult. And so I thought, man, there's got to be a better way. I was, I was hiring and training and rinsing and repeating with four to five different office staff over the course of my business. And I, I just was like, there's got to be a better way. So for, especially for home service companies that have the same kind of issues that we did. So um, right about the time I was selling my company, I linked up with a good old friend of mine and we came up with free to grow, which is what we're doing now. Um it really the, the core thesis of our business is to support the owner operator operating in the home service business with everything, all the difficulties that I had, you know, somebody to pick up the phone, somebody to get the information in the CRM, somebody that knows the products and services, can book estimates, can follow up, you know, solicit Google reviews, send out quotes. That kind of sweet spot. And I'm just convinced that most uh, home service companies, you know, certainly up to a certain size, don't need somebody in the chair 40 hours a week. And so when, you know, I went back and did some back of the envelope Mac, I'm like, man, if I could have paid somebody two grand a month versus four over five years, you know, it's just that those numbers just kept adding up. And I'm like, I could have spent that towards marketing or paying down debt or paying my key people more or whatever it was. So it just felt like, man, there's really something here. So yeah, that's the background.
0: Well, I think that's really interesting because a lot of contractors, a lot of people in this business, they start because they're the technician, like they're good at that technical side of things. And you're absolutely right. I think that the back office stuff doesn't come naturally and they don't necessarily know how to get the right help or what good help looks like in that area.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. And we we talked to a lot of, business owner operators and they all kind of typically follow the same trajectory they say, okay I want to start a carpet cleaning or HVAC or whatever the t- business is and their revenue goes up like this and then they get to a point where their marketing's starting to work they're getting brand recognition in a market you know so leads are picking up more more calls and then they kind of go you know like this a little bit um, and then so they got they get to that point where they got to hire somebody, or they kind of muddle through it, and they take a hit, um, and then end up never kind of getting to that next level. So ideally, when free to grow comes in, is when we are kind of our ideal partners when they've hit that threshold where they say, "Wow, you know, I've, I'm, I'm kind of tapped out. I find myself installing or servicing a product all day, all week, and I get home at five o'clock, and I've missed all these calls, I've missed all these emails, and those people probably aren't going to re-engage with you down the road." Um, so our goal. Is not necessarily. We, we certainly don't want to be considered a call center, but to take that call, schedule you, at the very least, contact you to make sure we can get that customer issue addressed, so you can get home at five o'clock at night and say, "Okay, I got it. All these things were booked. You know, it's in my CRM. You know, my, my KPIs are all updated. Whatever it is, um, and you know that that's the value that we really typically bring." Um, we're not, we don't like to think of ourselves as replacing an office manager. Um, all of our clients are going to have a team of two to three people that are going to support your account. So there's benefit to that. You know, you already have a bunch of people that are going to go through the onboarding process with you and certainly learn your products, services, service area, what you do and don't do um, to really get you past that kind of plateau that we see so often.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So I'd love to look at the bigger picture of that when in your experience, when you look at home service companies, when does it make sense, or what are some of the considerations when it comes to hiring in-house versus outsourcing?
1: That's a great question. I and I a lot of it depends on um, the type of industry. Um, I'd like to think the free to grow. Uh, I don't have a, a nice round number. I think I've thought about like three or four million in revenue. Um, you got to look at call volume. Um, you know, number of technicians that you have. Certainly, there's some complexity there. And, and it may make sense if there's a ton of dispatching that you want to handle internally. If you're dispatching six, seven trucks at a time, I would tell, probably tell you it makes sense to do that internally. Mm. Um, but when, when you're at that kind of two truck to four truck, that's a, definitely a sweet spot for us. And that's something that we can we can clearly manage. You know, I, I get the question a lot of what's kind of the minimum revenue size company that we work with. It's again, it's a tough one. I, I think if you're over the three to four hundred k threshold and you're growing, um, that that typically is a good place for us to start conversations. Where we see people that don't necessarily work out is when they've been at that threshold three to four hundred k for a long, long period of time. It kind of tells me that they're not necessarily willing to either bring somebody in house or you know work with a company like ours, and that's okay. I'm not saying that's wrong, but um, we kind of are at that threshold where it's like, wow, we really got to hire somebody or outsource it to get to the next level because so much stuff's being dropped and and they kind of know it when they feel it.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, you know, if you're talking to home service companies that are, you know, two to five trucks on the road sort of deal and they do have somebody in house, what do you see as some of the primary challenges that they're experiencing or why it doesn't maybe make sense to have that person well, in house.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And so two to five, you know, there's a lot of calls coming in. We could, you know, 20 to 30 calls a day potentially. You know, we see that with our HVAC clients. It's not uncommon. And that's beneficial where we have three people that know how to answer that person's phones and, you know, know their technicians, et cetera. We can we can have a high call answer rate because we have those three people. Versus if you just have one person we can see that getting overwhelming really quickly, especially if there's off days or vacations, and if that's the case, then that owner operator kind of gets back in that seat where they were, you know, on the technical days. They're kind of doing everything, answering phones, invoicing, all that stuff. So if you bring somebody in house, that can quickly become the case, as I learned. You know, um, oftentimes full time office managers don't work out, and so you're training and and kind of hiring, training, et cetera. That kind of yeah. nasty cycle. Um, you know, and we we also work with companies that do have office managers um and work well where there's a cadence of, okay, guys, I, you know, can you can you pick up where I left off or overflow or help me with this part of my business or that part of the business? So it's not a one size fits all. Um, in fact, we have probably 10 to 15% of our clients do have somebody in-house and we're complimentary to them yeah. um, as a next step before they bring somebody else on.
0: Well, that's really interesting, because I know that even looking at our, our client base at Reflective, a lot of them, they have one person, but that person is doing dispatching, that person yeah. is doing invoicing and quotes, permitting that person is uh, doing wait. accounting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, the list goes on and on. So when you work with clients in, in that capacity, what are the things that they are keeping internally? What are they handing off? And how does that relationship work?
1: So uh, another great question, Crystal. So we see oftentimes if companies are holding on to an office manager, that's good. They want that person, they want to retain that person because there's there's obviously knowledge that that person's accrued about the business. There's chemistry with, there's you know culture, all that kind of stuff, which the owner wants to retain. So we see oftentimes owners passing on you know, permitting, dispatching, invoicing, sometimes, you know, collections, et etc. And they say, okay, we've worked with this office person for a long time, let's kind of bump them up on the pecking order to handle those kind of things for our business, and then bring in a free to grow to pick off where they left off. So answering the phones, you know, scheduling leads and estimate, you know, working with the office staff to make sure the CRM is, is you know, implemented correctly, stuff like that. So that office manager can kind of graduate to the next level where the company needs to go. That's a great mix. Um, and that's worked out really well. We're big proponents of Slack. Um, and so we'll get into Slack and we'll create you know a Slack channel for all of our companies or people within within those companies to just communicate you know over-the-top communication to make sure we know exactly what was inputted, calls that were taken, escalating questions to the right people, et cetera. So yeah.
0: Right. So if we look at the bigger picture of office management and the types of help that you can get. I know we've already kind of covered if if you have an in-house office manager mm-hmm. and the possibilities that that could look like. If you are looking at outsourcing, you know, in a more general sense, like what are your options? I know a lot of companies look at call centers for example. What are some of the pros and cons of a call center and what are some of the other types of help that you might get? If you're outsourcing instead,
1: yeah. So you you know we we talked about companies like mine, and then there's certainly call centers. Um, and call centers can be good; they can serve a function. And and I we're certainly not a call center. I think the key difference is call centers typically a call is going to come into a uh, you know a, a group or a bucket of a whole bunch of people that have a very refined script, and typically they're just going to want to get the basic information: name, number, email. You know, point of contact and then kind of reason they're calling. And then that gets queued to the owner or somebody at the company to kind of handle that or deal with that. Um, our goal is to handle and deal with that on the spot. Okay. So that's a big, you know, thing that that person has to deal with down the road. Um, we do have a lot of clients that, you know, since we don't do a whole lot of after-hour stuff, you know, we go, you know, cover the eight-hour workday and then at two o'clock or whatever in the morning, just randomly you know, that client will have a call center take those calls. Okay. And so at the very least somebody, a warm voice is answering that phone. And then when our team comes in the morning, we know exactly who we need to reach out to and schedule or book, whatever um, call centers certainly have a, a a place in time. It's just, it can become cumbersome when you get a whole bunch of calls that you've got to now handle right. or deal with.
0: Okay. So if I own a home service company, for example, I guess like one of the the best starting points would be, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know this better than I do, but I guess one of the starting points would be to really look at like, what are the specific tasks that are involved that you need to hand off and then seeing what the options are from there? Like talk, talk me through that, I guess.
1: I, I think you're right. And I think one that we do over time, one that owner operators typically want to hold on to is dispatching. Um, and I, cause I know you're going to have technicians with different skill sets, you know, different, they service different areas, you know, and that's one where we really try to slow roll into, um, it's something we don't want to take on right away. Um, cause we could mess that up and we have messed that up, um, to be candid. And I know sometimes the owner operator is like, okay, I got, it. I know my, my technician bill can do this and the service is this area. And, you know, that's a very kind of sensitive and it should be. Um, scope, I think something that owner operators are a little can be hesitant to give up is answering the phone. Um, there's a lot of capable people, including our staff, that know how to answer phones and do that probably better than most, you know, owner operators do. Um, we know CRMs really well. We know how to schedule stuff. We know how to follow up. You know, engage with customers, um, and I think we see over time uh, we see a lot of owner operators because our calls are recorded, obviously. So we see them listening frantically when we start for the first couple of weeks saying, oh, okay, I got it. They're actually picking up the phone. Um, they're actually doing what they told us they would do. And then that, start, th- that concern kind of goes away over time. Um, so I think there's some things that owners in a good way should hold on to. But then there's some things you're like, okay, just, we got it. Let us, this is our full-time job. You go do what you did. You know, Go do the thing you started this company to do. And that wasn't to do, you know, office management, um, which is where we we shine.
0: Yeah. So when you are following up with customers on behalf of your clients, what are some of the things that you guys do really well, or what should a home service company look for when it comes to a customer service representative?
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, we'll we'll develop close relationships with a sales team or. Uh, certain technicians at, at our clients' companies, um, and so we'll get we'll get salespeople who we communicate daily with Slack, saying, you know what, I I, I wish if Freego can you follow up? I did these five estimates last week. I felt like these three went really well. Can you can you call these customers and just make sure you know they got the estimate, or if they have questions, to please reach out to me, etc. Okay, because um, I think it's nice because I know salespeople are following up, but it's nice to have. Somebody that's not you as a, you know, part of your company reaching out and nudging them in the right direction. So we do that really well. And I also think that gives a lot of customers the feeling that the company is bigger than it might be, mm-hmm. where they've got a team of people reaching out, you know, okay, you know, long he and cooling, for example, is a client of ours. We do that frequently with, with Kevin Long, who's also the sales owner. Um, and he loves that. I also think if there's a list of folks that you want us to reach out to for, you know, seasonal maintenance, for example, what will happen is we'll, we have weekly ownership meetings and they'll say, okay, here's a list of 40 to 50 people that we need you to follow up with to make sure that they're we knew their maintenance plan or we can sell them on a maintenance plan. And what we'll do is we'll set aside a time every week or twice a week and we'll just start knocking down those lists and update owners in CRM and Slack. And that goes off really well. Um, you know, That's a core, that's something that we can do. Uh, we can schedule that, and we can do it regularity. And then, obviously, we've got access to the CRM, so they're starting to see those maintenance, you know, programs getting involved, and they love it. So, um, two kind of small examples for you.
0: Yeah, and those were good examples. Can you give yeah. me the picture of what you do for the average client?
1: Yeah. So, g- good question, Crystal. So, our kind of average scope of work for our client would be the following: um, certainly answering the phone, so inbound calls. Outbound calls is another big part of what we do because we know that things aren't always going to be a straight line. A technician's going to be late. There's going to be a gate code. There's going to be something that happened on the job site, and um, you know we'll get a note on Slack or the customer will call in, and we'll have to kind of quarterback those. So that takes inbound and outbound. Um, lead and estimate scheduling is another big part of what we do, and I know marketing is a big focus and. A lead comes on, you know, online. So we we certainly respond to you know email leads or Angie leads or we get a lead on Facebook or wherever the source that lead is, we follow up immediately and book the estimate and then obviously get that information transferred to, in, into whatever the customer's CRM is. We don't push um, CRMs onto people. Okay. So if the if the client engages with us and they're using a service Titan or a Field Pulse or whatever it is we will keep using that system, especially if they're happy. If they're not happy, then we can talk about other options. But so phones, lead estimate scheduling, CRM management's a big piece of it. I know there's a lot of CRMs out there. There's some great ones. Um, And our team probably knows most of the big CRMs better than most owner-operators. Right. So those systems can be expensive. And so it's nice at the end of the day, month, quarter, year when owners are reviewing their business and seeing how they're doing to have accurate data because i didn't do that and it's like man what am i paying for so that's a big part of what we do you know uh customer follow-up as we just spoke about hey here's 10 estimates we submitted you know can we just can you follow up with these people and see if they have questions or you know get a credit card information or book them or whatever it is um Google uh, lead reputation, uh, company reputation. So so soliciting a Google review. Um, We'll get a lot of technicians who will leave a house and say, boy, this customer is so happy. Can you pick up the phone and call them and then immediately follow up with an email link? We found that the call, you know, the warm call, here's the link. I'm so glad you met with Ian, the technician. He loved talking with you. I've got your email. I'm going to email you the link right now. Let's stay on the line. Can you please do this? It would be a huge help for the company. And we've Mm -hmm. seen... We've got a good case study where they look at, you know, a 25% quarterly increase in Google reviews, which I know is a big part of what we do. Wow. So I'd say, though, what I just described there, Crystal, is a really kind of refined set of what we're doing. What we don't do is bookkeeping. Okay. Um, And what also we want to be careful with is dispatching. We do do it, but it kind of takes time for us to really learn skill sets and service areas,
0: et cetera. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. Yeah. I love on the CRM part because I know, and I know you guys do way more than a call center, but I know from experience with other clients who are outsourcing some of these things and using a call center, sometimes they won't integrate with your system at all, or they are doing something where they have their own CRM or their own system that you have to use. So I think especially in this industry, being able to come into a business and Just use what they're using and do that flawlessly, I think is uh, pretty compelling.
1: Yeah. You look at like order fulfillment. I mean, we'll get notes from salespeople who say, they'll slack us and say, hey, I just spoke to this customer. They like the bid. They want to take this, this, and this off. Can you get into the CRM and update it and then resend the proposal? Hmm. Okay, boom, done. And I know if that hadn't been done accurately, maybe the salesperson went on to the next thing, forgets about it. And when it comes time to order fulfillment, that whole thing is just a mess. So that happens a lot with us. That 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 type of communication, and it doesn't happen on day one. We're going to have a three week onboarding process where we're going to your the clients going to meet with our senior operations manager, and then over time, people that are going to be working to support that account. Okay, and uh, we think onboarding should take three weeks because we got to get the scripting right, we got to get access to the phones how you're using your CRM now, what are your best practices, what do we think is a better way to do it, you know, et cetera, before we take one red hot phone call. Hmm. Um, And again, those types of interactions, the one I just explained, take months to kind of get that cadence where a salesperson technician feels comfortable enough to reach out and say, hey, free to grow, call this person back, update this or whatever. And they know that's going to get done Hmm. and accurately.
0: So when you look at your clients and if you think of, you know, the best home service company that you work with, and you don't have to say who, but what does their office management look like now and what are some of the results or or even just positive feedback that they've seen from working? Yeah, uh,
1: two two both within the HVAC space that have been great success stories, one one in the Midwest and one in the Southeast, the American Southeast. Um both similar. Um, younger owner operators uh, were completely overwhelmed. Hey Charlie, I've been, you know, and returning calls at 2 a.m. or responding to stuff at 2 a.m. You know, reconciling my QuickBooks at 2 a.m. You know, blah blah blah. Um, and then, you know, one month, three month, half a year later, you know what? I'm actually now more focused on you know a technician training program, you know, retention. I'm out doing business development more, you know, those, that's like, you know what, man, we really did it. I get it. That That's a success where you were having a hard time responding to leads. We got that off your plate. You feel comfortable with us doing, you know, what we do, what comfortable enough that you can go focus on other stuff, looking over the next hill. Um, that's where we just are like, you know what, this works. Um now, we, we've stubbed our toe a lot, and it, you know we've been in business three years. And you know the first year, I'd say, was learning. We tried to do everything for everybody, including dispatching, and sometimes it didn't work. So we have kind of gotten smarter. We've lengthened the onboarding process, um, done some things off, off of like painful lesson learning that we think are better now for our clients. Um, but those are a couple of good examples. It just feels so good because you know that owner-operator is doing what they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an important point that a lot of business owners forget is if you can take these things off your plate, which are important to the business, important to the customers, but ultimately not the place where your efforts are most valuable, the way that that frees you up to do things that are more important, Mm -hmm. or are more in your zone of genius that can make such an incredible difference in your growth.
1: Completely agree.
0: So Charlie, you know, a lot of considerations here. And I think really eye-opening when it comes to outsourcing your office management and not something that a lot of contractors necessarily think about. Any last words of wisdom when it comes to office management in the home service industry?
1: Everything is changing with technology. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways we are teaching relief religion, for lack of a better phrase. There's there's an old mentality where, especially in construction or HVAC or home service, where hiring somebody was like, Oh, look at me, you know, I'm I'm hiring people now. It's better. Well, you know, with technology and what we can view on Google and CRM and the way phones are, the advancement there, I would argue in most cases you don't need somebody sitting in the chair next to you. you know, we're, we're booking jobs in Dothan, Alabama or Oklahoma City or whatever it is with our team here in the Midwest. And we can do it really, really effectively. And if I had to do it over, I certainly would have looked at an option like this to put my money and my time in better, better use.
0: Well, thank you, Charlie. I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to learn more about you and Free to Grow. So what's the best way that they can connect with you?
1: Uh, they, they can reach out to me. I, I'm You're probably going to post uh, some of my information, but um, we got a great website, freetogrow.com. And um, I, I love, love, love talking to owner operators. Even if we don't end up working with them, you, you can kind of learn something from everybody and at least kind of preach what you're trying to do. And, and maybe it doesn't click now, maybe it'll click down the road. So or if I can, you know, provide some free guidance, I'm happy to do that. So um, I think our website's great. And they can reach out whenever and I'd be happy to talk to talk to them.
0: Awesome. And for anybody listening, we will put any relevant links here in the show notes at beyond the podcast.com. So you can connect with Charlie there. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I know we're going to learn a lot from this.
1: Good. Thanks for having me, Crystal.
0: Hey, guys, if you love this episode, if you learn something here from Beyond the Tools, you can actually head to our website at beyondthetoolspodcast.com and you can sign up to get updates whenever we have a new episode. So go to beyondthetoolspodcast.com You'll see the option there to sign up and we'll send you the new episodes as soon as they're released.